So before I wrote the book, Static Cling, I was on an airplane sitting next to a guy and we had a really good conversation. And he's like, so what's your, what are one of your goals? And I said, well, I want to write this book. And he said, asked me about it. I told him about Static Cling and he's like, what's holding you back? I go, well, I probably just need to structure it in my head. He pulls out like the Delta napkin and puts it on the tray table and he draws like a word web. Like he puts the concept in the middle and he's like, so, so what do you want to talk about in the book? Well, I, I guess it's like how does Static Cling and, and, you know, personal leadership okay so he draws a little little arm off to the sides like well what else well what is static cling what sticks to your life and okay what is it not and and what are things that should and should and by the end of the flight he had written the outline on this napkin on the airplane and he goes here you go here's your outline and that was literally the thing that got me unstuck to do it Welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I talk with Paul Casey. Paul is the mind behind Growing Forward Services, which is an organization that focuses on helping both corporate and individual clients change their habits and mindset in order to be more productive while staying true to core values and giving attention to the things that matter most in life. Paul has written four books that include The Static Cling Principle, which is on habits and mindsets, Maximizing Every Minute on Time Management, Leading the Team You've Always Wanted, and Leading with Supervision. He also interviews local leaders on his podcast, The Tri-Cities Influencer. Our conversation ranges from what got Paul interested in time management tactics, the process of getting his books from his mind onto paper, or in one instance, a napkin, and several tactics he implements in his life in order to accomplish the goals he sets for himself. With the new year approaching... I feel like there's no better time than now to start thinking about our own goals for 2022, and maybe even use some of Paul's tactics in order to get them accomplished. With that in mind, just sit back, relax, and get ready for Paul Casey's journey with time management and goal setting. All right, so welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast, and first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy evening to sit down and chat with me tonight. Absolutely. What a pleasure. Of course. And yeah, speaking of time, that segues perfectly into my first question. <laughs> I know that time management is a big aspect of what you do. You even released a book in 2020 called Maximizing Every Minute, where you outline dozens of time management strategies. What ultimately started you down the path of studying and speaking about different time management tactics? Well, uh, I was started out as a teacher. My parents were teachers. I became an elementary school teacher. And boy, as a teacher, you've got to be like timing recess and math and language arts to the second because there are specialists waiting and the kids are got to get from one place to the other. So I think teachers by nature are pretty good at time management. So it started with that. And then it went to uh, trying to help my principal get organized himself because he was sort of scatterbrained. He's still a mentor to me today. He's like uh, 80 years old now, and I still love the guy a lot. But trying to organize his office and to help him be more of a time manager, I guess I was a little (laughs) OCD uh, trying to organize everybody else as well as myself. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and and bless you for being an elementary school teacher in particular. I I had my taste of that in my in-between years after college. Before I kind of settled into a career or what you would call that, 
I started substitute teaching, and mm. my goodness, I mean, elementary schools in particular are so structured, and going in as a sub, I, I mean, you have to nail that structure to a T, or those kids will call you out on it. <laughs> they will. They will. So then along the journey, I just, uh, I started, I got, there was a, there was an article on his desk called the organized executive. It was like a, a newsletter, the old printed kind of newsletters, and it had time management tips in it. And so from that, I was like, Ooh, these are pretty cool. I'm going to try them. And I would try time management strategy after strategy, just incorporating one every so often until I was like developed quite the quite the cash of them. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, maybe I should pass this on to other people. So that's, that's where my journey started. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's crazy. It's almost like you read my mind there because that was, that segues perfectly into my next question that I had prepared. So of those time management tactics that you stumbled across, do you have any practical tips that people can start implementing in their lives for better time management or maybe even a top three or along those lines? Whew, do I ever. Okay. So <laughs> I would start by saying, figure out what's most important in your life. Uh, figure out your core values. Uh, and obviously I'm a coach, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this with each one of my clients, make sure that they're very clear on what their core values are because we've gotta get those into our schedule first. And then we also need to see where we're going, our vision. And I, I do an exercise with my clients called the one-year vision, where in different categories of their life, they wanna see where they wanna be in their health and in their relationships and in their business. And of course, we want to then get those tasks into our schedule second. So manage your time with your values and vision. People like to skip that step, but really that's setting the course and helping you live authentically in the time management journey. Now on the practical side, you ask for three. Okay, I'll give you three. So mm -hmm. one I would say is do a daily preview every night before you shut off the lights on today. So if you uh, want to end work at five, Schedule in your Outlook or your Google Calendar a 4.30 daily preview. During that time, you're going to stop what you're doing and you're going to look ahead at tomorrow and pick your top three priorities for tomorrow before you're done with today. Then you shut the lights off and you're done. It helps with work-life balance today and it also helps you hit the ground running tomorrow by knowing, hey, I know what my big three are for today. And another benefit is your brain works on problems while you sleep subconsciously. So you sometimes wake up in the morning with a great idea that helps solve one of those big three for the next day. So that would be my first one is the daily preview. Then I would say you want to front load those priorities into your morning. Now, not everybody's a morning person, but I find that afternoons are runaway trains. I love that quote. Afternoons are <laughs> runaway trains, right? That's when stuff comes up and your boss says, I need this by five, or your kids call you from, from school saying, I'm sick, I need you to pick me up. And you realize, ah, now I have no time to get my priorities done and I'm going to procrastinate yet again. So if you front load those into the morning, it sets off like this snowball of productivity for the rest of the day and you get more than three things done. But if you push the three to the end, it's like you go through your whole day and go, what did I get done today? And then one more is block out time to accomplish those priorities. So literally time block. Make appointments with yourself, just like you would with another person for a meeting. You would never blow someone off when you're going to meet them for a coffee at a coffee shop. You would never like intentionally skip your child's ballet recital or a date with your spouse, right? But why do we blow ourselves off? Why do we go, yeah, I'm going to do this today, and then we don't. So you, what you do is you calendar a block of time. You overestimate how much time it's going to take. And literally in that block, like a meeting, you put the task, and then you do it. You obey your calendar during that window of time. 
as if it were a meeting. Yeah. Oh, man. So many good tips there and, and some that I really need to implement in my own life. I love the the tip about front loading because uh, currently I'm back loading, I would say, because I <laughs> I consider myself more of a night owl. So then I justify mm-hmm. it as I get really motivated to do things late at night, but then it just causes me to sleep in till the last possible minute and then start my morning almost running behind. So sure, it's, sure. it's almost like an off-kiltered scale of what you would call it. But no, so many great tips there, and especially for blocking out time too. That's something I've been implementing more myself lately because I've come to realize if I don't schedule even fun events for myself or just, mm-hmm. you know, it could just be hanging out with friends or watching Netflix or doing pub trivia or what have you. If I don't block that time out, I just won't do it. I'm going to fill that time with more things I could be getting ahead on or something like that. And then I just feel like I just burn out that way. Oh, I agree. There's a lot of power in all of those tactics for sure. Yeah, I agree, Eric. I block everything. I mean, I know it could be a little OCD because I love this stuff so much. <laughs> but if you were to see my calendar, it might make you a little nauseous because every second looks like it's scheduled. But of course, there's rest in there. Mm-hmm. I put in margin time, you know, in between to absorb the unexpected. There's a date night with my wife. There's filing. I know that sounds sort of weird, but filing is not going to happen, to be honest, if I don't put it on once a week for 30 minutes, right? And then I literally (laughs) do it once a week for 30 minutes. And so I keep all these things moving, all these plates spinning towards their goal by blocking all those priorities. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of calendar, now, do you have an actual printed calendar that you write on physically? Do you have an electronic calendar? Do you use both? Are they both synced? I guess, how do you have your setup? It's a good question, yeah. So <laughs> when I had the, the day job, it was Microsoft Outlook. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I realized I needed to put work and home priorities into one. And of course, when the, you know, and then when the company allowed me to check my email from home, this is years ago, uh, the calendar was accessible. So then it was great to have it all in one. Um, since I became an entrepreneur, it's Google Calendar. So I've been using that for six or seven years now. And it's, it's everything all, all in one. Nice. That's honestly something I need to start implementing because I have a, a, a printed out calendar at my desk at work that I write a lot of different things on. You know, sometimes I'll catch myself to where I'll write things down on this calendar, but won't put it anywhere else. I'll either just remember it or I won't put it electronically anywhere. And I'm like, Oh, I got to mm-hmm. check my, my printed calendar. I got to, you got to go check it when I go into work to see what I have going on that day. So I don't double book anything, but obviously that gets, that gets messy and complicated a lot of the time. It would be a lot easier to have it in one location or have everything synced to uh, to one thing so it, nothing gets missed. <laughs> yeah, and then on my phone I can look at it if I'm out and about and see what my calendar looks like. So, yeah, the paper calendar, I I used it you know many, many years early on, but then I would forget it places, and then I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, I know something's coming up and I'm supposed to meet somebody, but I'd forget. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I, I relate to that so much. I really need to switch electronically. I don't know what's uh, what's been stopping me. <laughs> <But> <laughs> now, in relation to time management, I personally, I love setting different goals for myself every year. Uh, some, But some common trend I've noticed is that when, you know, January comes around, people set goals for, for the year for themselves, and then they may fall off those goals after a few months. And I'm certainly not perfect with hitting all my goals either, but... Do you have any tips for effective goal setting and staying on track to completing goals? Yes. On the staying on track thing, you're right. Uh, it's, it's like New Year's resolutions that they, if they fall off, they're just well-intentioned wishes. So first of all, we got to craft really good goals. And many people have never crafted a really solid goal, meaning that uh, you probably heard the SMART acronym of goals that are specific, measurable, 
attainable, relevant to your vision or your job description, and then T, time dated or trackable. Uh, and then I like, uh, there's another guy named Mark Murphy who came up with hard goals, which he said H is heartfelt. Like you have to have an emotional connection to the goal in order to do it, or else it just feels like a should goal. And I never want to pursue the should goals. Um, <laughs> the A is animated. You need to be able to see yourself doing the goal or the next step of the goal in order to do it, or you're going to stay stuck. R is required, which is sort of like relevant and, and smart. And then the, the D is difficult. You want to pick goals that are not just a five-minute task on your to-do list, but something that's like, wow, it's going to take multiple steps and some hard work, but I'm going to look back later in the year and go, I did it. I, I knocked off that big task. So smart and hard goals on the front end of writing a goal are very critical. And usually when people are writing goals, they're leaving off one of those big pieces of it. And then in order to, uh, to stay on track, these reviews are huge. I just told you about the uh, the daily preview mm-hmm. where you look ahead at tomorrow. Then when you when you get that as a habit, and I would say, you know, nail that down first, then you do a weekly review and preview. So this is where I expand a little bit more on a Friday. And uh, I look uh, I look at my wins for the last week and I look ahead just sort of what are my big rocks in my schedule for the next week and sort of a cursory look at all of my goals. Then when you get good at that, you go to a monthly review. And this is where I schedule a personal retreat with myself alone, away from my office, away from home. And now I look at all of my goals for the year and by doing a 30-day check-in, I'm never I'm never too far away from the next action item being put in my calendar. So I don't wake up six months later and go, oh man, that goal didn't move at all for the last six months because I've got all these check-ins built in as a rhythm in my life. Yeah, so many good aspects there, man. Um, I, I do think the, the check-ins are extremely powerful for sure. Just writing them down, holding yourself accountable for them. And just keep on working, chipping away at them little by little each day, you know, checking in each month. Because I, f- I feel like in those instances, the goals don't sneak up on you at the end of the year. I'm like, oh, I said I was going to do this mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year and the year's yep. almost over and I need to cram it in now. And then it's just, it just isn't ideal. It just doesn't happen or what have you. But, <laughs> and all those acronyms just brought me back to my college years with the, the business classes <laughs> with them. So there's a trip down memory lane, but Speaking of of businesses, I know you have a company called Growing Forward Services, where in addition to time management tactics, you focus on leadership and personal growth. And you've spoken for organizations like McDonald's, Subway, Lamb Weston, Northwest Public Power, and AutoZone in your impressive resume of 25 years in public speaking. Can you give a little backstory behind what inspired you to start Growing Forward Services to begin with? Yes. So I was in, uh, so I became a teacher, then a vice principal, then a principal at a school, Uh, Then I switched over to the church side of things, became like a parenting educator and a marriage, uh, like did premarital education uh, in the church, became an executive pastor, which is like being a principal at a church without the kids. (laughs) Um, And so in all those nonprofits that I was in, because I was at private school, I got a lot of fulfillment from, from my job. A lot of people, though, didn't want to be developed. And I thought by starting a company where people would have to pay for development, I would get the cream of the crop folks, the hungry ones that really wanted to grow. And so 
I noodled on it and thought, you know, and I, I sort of like the thought of being my own boss because I like that freedom of being able to do my time management stuff and, uh, you know, really get all these priorities done and not have to ask for vacation time or pursue sort of this other fun stuff off to the side during vacation. So all those things started coming together. And then I learned about uh, life coaching. And I thought, oh, it's sort of a woo-woo kind of a thing. Like, what's life coaching? Come on. And uh, I met with a life coach in town. And I didn't really like his style. But he, he told me what it was. And I said, wow, that is what I love to do automatically. Like, help people get to their goals and dreams and get unstuck. Like, I really wanted to. People pay for that? That is amazing. <laughs> and so I hung out a shingle and charged $50 an hour, which is, uh, if you know, how much coaching costs nowadays that's nothing mm -hmm. and people paid me fifty dollars to just process their life with them and i went wow this is awesome you know to do that but i didn't know how to market myself and it dried up so i continued speaking for teacher conventions for for many years and i thought what if i made a business of speaking coaching and maybe if i add team building in there sort of the three-legged stool i could actually have a business and maybe it would support myself and my family so that's when uh, in 20, uh, the end of 2011, I thought I'm going to, during that Christmas vacation, I just went, all right, I'm going to get a website. I'm going to get a tax ID number. You know, I'm going to get a, a business license and I'm just going to go for it. While I still had the day job, I started the dream job. And then in 2015, uh, went all in with the, uh, with the dream job of growing forward services and haven't looked back since. No, that's so cool. It's so inspiring too. That's that's amazing. So, and, and I know in addition to everything you do with Growing Forward Services, you have that book that I mentioned previously, Maximizing Every Minute, and that's you know on time management. You've also written the Static Cling Principle, that's on habits and mindset, and you have Leading the Team You've Always Wanted and Leading with Supervision. Now, do you have any tips for aspiring writers who want to write a book one day? Is there anything that surprised you about the process in regards to writing, publishing, distributing, et cetera? Yeah, I I thought it was going to be such an undoable thing when you think about publishers and hearing about everybody's rejections and uh, you know that they take years to write. All that was very intimidating. So I had that that first book, The Static Cling Principle, inside of me. Actually, I was doing some laundry and uh, <laughs> the static <laughs> cling actually happened. And I, I had this insight of like, wow, this is like how you lead yourself, you know, and uh, it was pretty funny. Like, there's probably a book in this. Like, how do you pull bad habits off and what should stick to you? And this that became the premise of the book. But I, you know, I had that in my head for like seven or eight years, not pulling the trigger because it was so intimidating. And then I heard about self-publishing. Like, you can just bang out a book, you know, and obviously it's not that easy. But meaning mm -hmm. that you can just, you can write it. And uh, as long as you learn some of the, like how to format, or you can hire someone to format the book and you get someone to edit the book and you put it in order and boom, it shows up. 50 copies can show up on your doorstep, you know, in 30 days. It was just, it was mind blowing that it was like, oh, this, this is easier than I thought. Mm -hmm. So I still knew that I had to block the time to write the book. So I went to the Oregon coast. Uh, I live in Washington state. So the Oregon coast is about six hours away and got a place, you know, on the coast and I just wrote for two days straight that first book. It's I write little books, Eric. You know they're like mm -hmm. they're like eighty pages. They're the average American only reads one book a year, which still blows me away. Not your podcast listeners, but uh, <laughs> the average person just reads one book a year, which blows me away. So 
I thought I'm going to read books that are very readable, like in an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm going to put all, I'm just going to laser focus in on the best tips and I'm just going to call it good. So instead of like some authors do, and they come at an idea from 17 different ways, but they could have been one way. Um, I decided I'm just going to go get right to the point and give my best tips on that. So I was able to bang out these four books and I'm working on just about done with my fifth one right now in a very short amount of time. The hardest part is just gearing up to do the little things like the cover and the about the author page <laughs> mm -hmm. and cleaning up the typos and getting it to the outsourcing people to make the book happen. That literally takes has taken me months. It shouldn't have, but that's the hardest part is like finishing it. Yeah, no, no so true. And I, I had no idea the backstory behind the static cling. I didn't know it was actually from the static cling from doing laundry. That's, uh, that's so funny. I, yep. I love that inspirational piece. I mean, man, I, I, I don't think I've ever met or talked to a person who got inspired to, to write a book from doing laundry. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. But... When you're a speaker, everything becomes a metaphor. <laughs> so true. So true. No, but, oh, man, so much good content there. And, and yeah, to your point, I think um, arguably almost I feel like the most daunting task is actually sitting down and writing the book. But, I mean, I feel like there's so many options available today when it comes to, you know, publishing if you want to self-publish and, you know, mm -hmm. distribute and work with these different companies to, you know, turn it around and actually make a physical copy of these books. It's actually a lot easier than than you would think almost it's it's almost like the hardest part is yeah just sitting down and actually writing the book <laughs> yeah and i i admire those that go through a publisher and and put out a 300 page book i mean that's just it's still a wow to me lots of props for people that that do it the the the, the full-fledged way but you had asked me like how can someone that might have a book inside of them which most of us do mm -hmm. can bang it out just do it you know, just, just calendar the time. Oh, I should just tell you a quick story. So before I wrote the book, Static Cling, I was on an airplane sitting next to a guy and we had a really good conversation. And he's like, so what's your, what are one of your goals? And I said, well, I want to write this book. And he said, asked me about it. I told him about Static Cling and he's like, what's holding you back? I go, well, I probably just need to structure it in my head. He pulls out like the Delta napkin and puts it on the tray table and he draws like a word web. Like he puts the concept in the middle and he's like, so, so what do you want to talk about in the book? Well, I I guess it's like how to static cling and, and, you know, personal leadership. Okay. So he draws a little, little arm off to the sides. Like, well, what else? Well, what is static cling? What sticks to your life? And okay, what is it not? And, and what are things that should and should And by the end of the flight, he had written the outline on this napkin <laughs> on the airplane. And he goes, here you go. Here, here's your outline. And that was literally the thing that got me unstuck to do it. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> that I love those. Honestly, I love stories like that. Just those random chance encounter situations. In this case, on a on an airplane. As weird as it sounds, I've actually had some very impactful experiences on airplanes as well, where I just make conversation with the person sitting next to me that ends up <laughs> becoming a lifelong friend after that or something. It's I, I find those stories so fascinating. No, I I love that. I'm I'm so glad you shared that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yes yeah, uh so speaking of books and that yeah that stat you mentioned earlier i didn't realize that either about the average person only reading one book a year but i i saw on your website that you strive to read 40 books a year which i find yes. very admirable i i set a goal for myself of 12 books a year so averaging one a month 
which I think is a doable goal, but I obviously want to strive for more than that. And I, I keep striving to, but that's almost just a, the bare bones bottom end of the goal, I guess, for me. But now I guess this is a two-part question for you. So first of all, what are you currently reading and what are some of your all-time favorites? Whew, yeah. Well, let me let me back up to how you can read 40 books in a year. Yeah. I just hit 40 the other day. Wow. So you have to calendar it just like anything else. Again, back to time management, right? So I literally get up in the morning and the first thing I do is read. So I read spiritual reading. I read the Bible and then I read professionally for a little bit. I also read while I'm exercising. So I either listen to a podcast or I listen to an audio book. And then in the car, I have a book on CD. So there's usually three books going at a time. Sometimes I'll finish them all, you know, in the same week. Other times some are really long and some are short. And so by having three going at once and doing it at different times of the day, sometimes it'll get bumped. But for the most part, I'm reading at least 20 minutes, if not an hour a day in various ways. So that's that's how I get the books read. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. Uh, it's funny because I've always taken the approach of just reading one book at a time, but I've, I've mm-hmm. tried experimenting at one point to where, because I was reading a, I'm forgetting what I was reading at the time, but it was some sort of reading for knowledge type book that I would read throughout the day. And then in the evening time, I was reading the scary stories book and, and everything because it, it felt just <laughs> right to, to read that at night. And weirdly enough, I n- it never gave me nightmares or weird dreams or anything. Maybe that <laughs> says a lot about me as a person, but I would always like to read that at nighttime before before going to bed. So then I would alternate the two. And yeah, it was it was a lot smoother than I thought. And I need to get back to those habits of, you know, reading multiple books at a time and having it make sense to different parts of the day or depending on what you want to get out of it. So I, I like the balanced approach of, of what you do. And that makes a lot of sense. That's That would make sense for why you're able to read 40 in a year. <laughs> in case you're just dying to know, the two books I was reading simultaneously were Fluke, The Maths and Myths of Coincidence by Joseph Mazur, which is a very math-heavy book surrounding extraordinary coincidences and the probability of them happening, and The Pan Book of Horror Stories by Herbert Van Thal. Both obviously very different books, but great in their own regard. Anyway, back to Paul and I's conversation. Yeah, and of course, this is what I do, right? So I want to be very current for my clients. You know, some speakers will keep using their same stuff forever, right? They just they mm-hmm. just keep doing it. But every time I do a presentation, I'm adding something from what I've just learned from reading. Like, you know, just the other day I was reading, or in this podcast I was listening to, and I think people like that I'm um, staying current, with with the information, mm-hmm. so that that is one reason why I read that many books. I, I actually don't read any fiction at all. Not that I knock it, because I think that's a great way for people to chill mm-hmm. and sort of escape with their brain and do something almost therapeutic. Uh, but I actually love reading about leadership and personal leadership, so it's not a chore for me. Where for some it would be like, oh really? That sounds agonizing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it's it's really funny you mentioned that too, because for the longest time. I was only reading nonfiction as well, and and people kind of gave me the the same reaction when I told them <laughs> that. But I, I genuinely like you know learning new things and reading nonfiction, and I was doing that for the longest time, whether it be self help books, uh, astrophysics, uh, just anything that piques my curiosity. As weird as that sounds, but then I started switching to more fiction recently, mainly just the the classics or the more controversial banned books, just because I wanted to get more well versed into that realm and. Maybe get a little leg up on people at at pub trivia if a question comes up on a famous author or something. I I don't know. (laughs) But but either way, I guess just to stay relevant, I mean, to your point, I think that that's huge, especially in the world of, 
you know, speaking and podcasting and, you know, everything that you do. And sure. And actually speaking of podcasting, <laughs> I know you have a podcast yourself called the Tri-Cities Influencer where you interview local leaders. And I asked the same question to Rob Cook about his podcast Contenders Wanted when I interviewed him. But is there anything that surprised you about starting a podcast? Do you have any tips for anyone out there who's looking to start their own podcast? I would say start with your why, which goes back to a book recommend. You know, Simon Sinek's uh, "Start with Why" is a good is a good read. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it was like I was I was interviewing leaders myself, taking them to lunch. Just called them leader lunches. I got that idea from John Maxwell. In case you're unfamiliar, John Maxwell is an author, speaker, and pastor who has written several books, primarily focusing on leadership. Some of the titles include the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership and the 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader, and has collectively sold millions of copies, with some titles on the New York Times bestseller list. Being a Michigander myself, I found it interesting to see that Maxwell was born in Garden City, Michigan. More information on John Maxwell can be found in the show notes. And uh, he, he would pay leaders to have lunch with him, and then he would pick their brain for an entire hour, and they were just honored to, to do that. And so I started doing that, and um, I thought, well... Why doesn't the, probably the rest of the world would like to know the answers that I'm hearing from mm-hmm. from these leaders? So I thought I'm going to start a podcast and just uh, do what I would do when I'm having lunch with somebody and asking them all these leadership questions. So that's that was my why was to tell the rest of the world uh, the leadership. And I made mine a local podcast for starting. I'm here in the Tri Cities of Eastern Washington, and we're we're sort of rural. We're far away from Seattle and two hours away from Spokane, so we're in this bottom corner. And so we're not a big city kind of where there's all sorts of other podcasts and other things going on. So. I decided I'm going to make it local. Then I can maybe get some local advertisers that could get their business promoted. And, you know, these are people you're going to run into in the coffee shop and and down the street and, you know, at the dog park. And so I thought I'm going to make these great leaders in our community human and, and bring them down so that other people run into them. They're like, hey, I heard you on that podcast. So <laughs> so that was that was interesting. Then I had to find a place to record the podcast. I was going to start at my home and I bought some equipment. It was just wonky. And I don't, I don't like the technical part of the job personally. I just like mm-hmm. the interviewing part of the job. For sure. So then we have a local co-working space that had a podcast studio. So I joined the co-working space and it was a great room with soundproof walls and, and the equipment was right there. And that removed that barrier. And then I had to outsource the person recording it and the person producing it, putting the music to it and cleaning it up. And that is money well spent to uh, take care of all those little details, the uploading it and uh, putting it out to the world. Yeah, definitely. And since you interview just local people, now do you interview everybody in person or do you do them remotely? So I did all of them in person, probably 70 episodes in person. And then the equipment failed on me in the co-working space. Oh. <laughs> and it was in, it was interrupting like uh, the computer. I guess it fried the hard drive or something. It was very embarrassing, uh, to be honest, <laughs> to say to the guests like, oh, we lost the whole last two questions. Uh, oh, yeah. Remember what you just said, <laughs> you know, which, of course, they can never say it the same way. Right. And after that happened several times and they tried to get a new computer blah 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 you know i decided to go and do the zoom interview and that has actually been much easier mm-hmm. uh, to do it that way and zoom's got a recording feature and a transcript feature and yeah i don't think i'll ever go back to it live again now <laughs> no it's it's interesting you say that too because i i mean i started this podcast during the pandemic so it's been remote the entire time and 
I'm honestly really glad I did that because anytime I've tried to record something in person, it's it's a lot harder than I thought it'd be for whatever reason. I, I thought I always thought interviewing remotely would be almost trickier in a way from a tech side, but I've come to realize it's actually a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> it's weird how that works. No, yeah, it's it's awesome. I've been you know digging through the podcast and listening through it, and it's uh, I, I definitely see a lot of similarities with it. So I I love these types of conversations. So naturally, I've been uh, getting pretty hooked on the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now I want to do a national podcast, so I'm I'm graduating yeah. to your level now, and uh, we're trying to do a national one, and so it's going to be called Grow Forward Today, and so I'm going to start recording in the next month, and then it'll be released in 2021 as a weekly podcast. So I'm pretty excited about the folks that I'm going to get a chance to interview that are not just local, but national. Yeah, no, that's that's really exciting because, I mean, speaking from this podcast, a lot of my, my first guests were local, and then I started kind of reaching out and broadening out to different people, some of whom I've actually met in person just in passing over the years because I traveled <laughs> quite a bit, and some I just met online or through different sites or something that have a really interesting story to tell. So since everything's remote, it just works out that way. So, I, yeah, no, it's, it's great because I just – I think at the end of the day, I just love hearing these stories and – I guess that going back to your point, I think that was essentially was my why, because I, I missed having these conversations and hearing these stories through traveling. And that was something I couldn't do during the pandemic. So this was kind of my way to hear other people's stories and, you know, hear about what they're passionate about, what they love doing. And I just eat up these conversations. I love them so much. So that was <laughs> that's essentially <laughs> yep. my origin story with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, I saw on your Instagram that you recently received an Entrepreneur of the Year Award by Richland Rotary. So what was your initial reaction after receiving that award? You are staying very current with my life, <laughs> my friend. Just just saying that that just happened like this week. Uh, I was I was so humbled by that, you know, to get to get the email that says you have been nominated for this award here in the in the local area. And I'm like, oh, cool. If I don't win, at least I got nominated. That's that's still something. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they said, like, no, you won, you know, like the five five organizations like the Chamber of Commerce and the port and the co-working space that I was telling you about. They're the ones that nominated me. And so there are five winners, uh, Entrepreneur of the Year Award and yeah, so just just two days ago, they scheduled an in-person lunch with limited capacity and social distancing and masks, and we got I got to uh, they they videoed you know interview in advance, played it up on the big screen so virtual people could connect to, and yeah, just totally humbled by by an award because you know as an adult, when do you get an award? I mean, nobody <laughs> it's like when you're a kid, you get trophies, but <laughs> that's <Right>. pretty cool. <laughs> no, definitely, yeah, I can I can see that be how that'd be extremely exciting. And a definitely very humbling experience for sure. I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, I feel like those just aren't really given out much as an adult. It's almost just like, you know, you kind of put your head down. You're expected to just kind of do all these things. But you, yeah, you rarely yeah. get that kind of attaboy or just like an actual physical award or something for something that you do. So, it's, yeah, obviously that always feels good to get something like that. <laughs> Pretty gratifying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I guess other than the the national podcast, which is definitely extremely exciting, do you have any other upcoming events or exciting projects in the works right now? Yeah, thanks for asking. I've, I just launched a membership community for team leaders. So anyone that's a supervisor or manager of other people, 
I just launched it. It's brand spanking new. It's called Bullseye for team leaders because I've I've got the whole arrow thing growing forward. Target practice is my e-newsletter. You know, so Bullseye <laughs> is the is what I'm calling the membership community. So I'm curating lots of good stuff on uh, an audio format, video format, giving icebreakers to ask in your team meetings for your one to ones. So the video is like you could play for your team on how to be a great team player. The The audio is on mindset of the leader. I recommend other podcasts or books or team building exercise. I just try to, to cue it all up because a busy team leader doesn't have time to look for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I give you that email once a week. And then uh, there's an opportunity within the community to talk to other leaders from other industries. And uh, I'm even experimenting with a text service that'll text you an encouraging word or a life coaching question throughout the week as well. So it's going to be pretty fun. No, that's all really exciting stuff for sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited about all those things you got going on. That's that's really exciting. Now, is there anything I forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins? Um... No, I just, I, I would also, I don't know if I ever answered your question earlier about the favorite books to, uh, to, to cause I think I was talking about writing a book. So, oh, I'd love to yeah, hear those. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I put some on my website, uh, paulcasey.org. And so eat that frog is a good one for avoiding procrastination. So that's on the time management side, eat that frog by Brian Tracy. Actually, the concept was from Mark Twain leadership wise. I'd say the leadership challenge has been one of my top five reads of all time and, uh, by Kuzas and Posner and uh, the five practices of effective leadership for conflict management. It's hard to beat crucial conversations by uh, Grenny and some other authors. And uh, boy, if you're just going to want to get down to the main thing in your life, I would say essentialism uh, is a good one by Greg McCune. Yeah, I've heard great things about essentialism. I believe my brother Joel is either reading that or read that previously. But yeah, he he, he spoke very highly of that one. I'm not sure if you've ever read The Power of Habit by yes. Charles Duhigg. Yeah, I, I love that book yeah, personally. That's a good one. And so is Atomic Habits by James Clear. So if you've, if you've read Power of Habit, you'll also like Atomic Habits. Some of the same information, but comes at it from a different way. Nice. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out because what I remember loving so much about the power of habit is it's it's very simple things on the surface, but you realize when you actually take them seriously and start implementing them, they make a big difference. It's, you know, just a cue reward type cycle. And yeah, it's, it, it, it's very simple and they do very simple drawings and diagrams throughout the book, but it's it's so effective. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, so good. Now, where can people find more information about Growing Forward Services or anything else you want to plug? Yeah, so my website is paulcasey.org. Don't go to paulcasey.com because that's a professional golfer and I'm just a duffer. So, <laughs> okay. so, don't, so don't go to that. Good to know. I'm, I'm bummed that he got the .com, although maybe I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll find a way to put my middle initial in there, Paul D. Casey. But anyways, paulcasey.org is all things growing forward services. I would love to offer a free giveaway to your listeners, Eric. It's my control my calendar checklist and you can go to takebackmycalendar.com takebackmycalendar.com it'll start you in your time management journey talk about some of the habits we did earlier and then some additional ones that just will get you going and make this the most productive year ahead that you can have no so perfect and then i'm also on the social media of course you know growing forward services on facebook and instagram and paul d casey on linkedin no, perfect. And yeah, thank you for that giveaway and everything. I'll definitely be 
checking out that control my calendar checklist. I think that's something we can uh, we can all implement in our lives. I think I actually stumbled across something similar on your website. It's like, oh, that's a that's a good idea. <laughs> so no, that's that's so cool. And yeah, once again, thank you so much for taking the time for this. I think the work that you're doing with Growing Forward Services is inspiring and. You know, time management, reevaluating priorities is something that's always much easier said than done. And I feel like it's something, you know, everyone can benefit from. And with that, you know, recent Entrepreneur of the Year award, clearly I'm not the only one who's recognizing the kind of impact you're making. So mm, thank you. Definitely keep doing what you're doing. I think your journey is inspiring and I wish you nothing but the best in all of your future endeavors. You too, Eric. Keep growing forward. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. A link to Paul's website, along with other resources, can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for the Juxtapose Journeys podcast. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, send an email to juxtaposejourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. Or you can find Juxtapose Journeys on Podmatch and request an interview that way. The Juxtapose Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner. And music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.